Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com literally just hit record and you give me the most <laughs> horrific <laughs> horrific face what's I'm so going sorry. on I, mean, I was exiting out of all the apps on my phone so i wouldn't be distracted and i was exiting out of facebook and it was facebook marketplace and i thought someone was selling a live baby it's one of those like reborn like fake babies oh there's so much i know I... fuck you can't see it hold on Oh. I thought someone was selling a fucking baby. It's a two thousand dollar custom like baby doll, and I don't know why that popped up on my on my Facebook. But I was exiting out, like swiping out of everything, and it was just there. Uh-huh. I was like, "Whose baby is this?" <laughs> Someone's... That's some servant level shit right uh, yeah. there. So, uh, sorry, that just really uh, threw my ass <laughs> off. I'll buy a lot. Uh... <laughs> wow. Uh, wow. <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome back to <laughs> Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode, where we dig into the things that we've been watching <laughs> recently and apparently buying fake babies on Facebook. Uh, I'm Terry. And I am Mary Beth, a cursed hell demon that finds horrible things on the internet, has horrible things happen to her right before we record. Very much an exaggeration. Uh, Nothing that horrible. But, um, gross. gross. Um, Anyway, (laughs) this week, we're talking Doosby and Bros, a movie with a rather misleading marketing, and Fantastic Fest. So much Fantastic Fest. So much Fantastic Fest. So many movies. So many movies. But briefly, before we do get to that, uh... I just want to throw it out there, you know, we're one month into our Patreon. Uh, we've recorded our October Seltzer for Life. 
You're not going to want to miss my reaction to the seltzer I drank. You truly are not going to want to miss that. And uh, should we should we announce what our Fresh Wounds is going to be? I think we should. So you guys have a little teaser and incentive to become patrons at the the ten dollar level. What are we what are we what are we talking about for you can't see the finger motions October, if you're not yeah. watching the video, but just so you know. <laughs> but you can if you are a subscriber at the five dollar level, you could see the horrific baby and Mary Beth's interpretive dancing. Yes. But anyway, for this month's Fresh Wounds, we are talking about Brian Bertino's Dark and the Wicked The Dark and the Wicked. I have an incredible story of how I watched it this time. <laughs> we talk about how yeah. upset it made us. It's just like a good time. Not I mean like yeah, it's a good time, even though it's depressing. It's a good time about it's a, a good bad time. time about a bad time. How's that? So please support us because it it goes directly back to the podcast, whether that's paying for what we're recording right now or hosting fees or video editing fees or the time that we spend on it so we do really appreciate it yeah we really do podcasting is expensive and time consuming y'all who knew we 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 know now and have known for a while (laughs) um but it's true it's it's fun but it's time it's like a second job i mean especially because we're doing all this cool new content so guys you know you Mm -hmm. want it all right, so let's uh let's start off. I, I I need to know about this movie with the rather misleading marketing. We've kind of talked a little bit about it off air, and yeah. Okay, so the movie with rather misleading marketing is Smile, the movie that everyone has probably seen advertised all over the place. I mean, like there were people and baseball games like placed in the the crowd. There's ads everywhere. People that are, are not horror people, like my friends in the real world, are texting me like, oh my god, have you seen Smile? It looks so scary. Like, you know, they're doing a great job marketing it. But then you see it. And it's not the movie they're marketing it to you, everybody, just so you know. And I say this because it's actually a much darker film than what the marketing wants you to believe. So for those of you who haven't seen the marketing or aren't really sure what it's about, Smile follows a psychologist who witnesses a really traumatic event with the patient and her patient seems to have passed something on to her that she is seeing and she has seven days to figure out what's going on with it or she herself may suffer a terrible fate. So it's got like the ring vibes, it follows vibes, the trailers I think are very reminiscent of, like, those, like, mid-2000s, like, one miss call movies and stuff that were, like, not great. The grudge, that kind yeah. of Yeah, and it's like, okay, so this is going to probably just be, like, a jump scare machine. When really, this is a movie that's, like, all about trauma and suicide. <laughs> and, like, this is not a spoiler. I'm not spoiling anything because it's, like, pretty clear right off the bat. But there isn't a warning at the beginning and, like, Look, you could call me a snowflake all you fucking want about this. I'm usually a pretty tough cookie when it comes to this shit. You guys know this. You've heard me talk about the shit that I like, what I watch, and the shit that I like. This movie is borderline irresponsible in terms of how it frames mental illness and um, suicide. I think it is a technically well-done film. I think it's much better quality than I expected. I think some of the scares are really well done. And I know that some people who have seen it who struggle with mental illness stuff... Um, didn't have a problem with it, which is totally fine. I get like 
we are not a monolith, etc. But as someone who herself right. has dealt with like suicidal ideation and has lost friends to suicide, I thought it was not done super well, especially as it gets towards the end. So if you're going to go see it, and honestly, it's much, it's Sosie Bacon as uh, the main character is incredible. Kyle Gallner is really good in it. So, I mean, the movie is well done. It's really interesting. I think there are some good effects and some good scares, but it does not handle mental illness and trauma the way that it should. There's like, at, at least give me like a content warning at the beginning or like a number for us, like a, the number for the National Suicide Hotline at the end, but like none of that. So, I don't know. Like, I just think it could have been handled a lot better. Um, I was surprised at how much I liked it for the most part, but it did give me a panic attack because of how it handled. And again, like this is my personal experience with it and my personal experience. Like this is not meant to be like, this movie is terrible. This is just my feelings about it. And so I want others who are listening to kind of have that ready going in and just to be mentally prepared. Like, I don't want anyone Mm -hmm. else to like to walk. I saw it at 10 o'clock in the morning. like a breastfeeding and I walked out like shaking and I had to call my fiance and I was like I'm I didn't know that movie was going to be so sad um so just be ready just be prepared I want to prepare y'all and again like I was impressed with some of the scares I think they do a really interesting job at the first half it looks scary It, it, it actually is pretty scary and like it's not as cheesy as you would think um, for sure. I just, again, I think if I had known it was going to be so explicitly about suicide, I think I would have gone in there with a bit of a different mental expectation. Right. Because it's bleak. It's a very bleak movie. Like, you're... <laughs> it's dark. So, oh my god, he just threw up again and he's eating his own puke again! <laughs> oh no! Is this real? <laughs> My brother in Christ. Well, you got it on camera, Terry. <laughs> Buddy. Mr. Man. Oh, no. <laughs> do, you, do you need to no, go I'm clean good. it up again? I, I think everything is fine. Right. Just got the carpet cleaner this right next to me. And viewers... <laughs> Excuse me. This happened literally oh, hey, what is that? two or three minutes before we hit record. Uh. Scarred for life, real life edition, cleaning up dog puke and watching the dog eat the dog puke. Oh. Are you okay? Are you, you're so tiny. Are you okay? Anyway. What? He over. He overate. <laughs> These dogs do not do well. I've been, so everybody, I've been pet sitting for the past week at my friend's house, which is why if you're watching the video, it is not my normal background. And these dogs, well, one of them is the most anxious animal I've ever met. And I live with one of the most anxious animals I've ever met, but this guy takes the cake. And I think he just like is still not understanding why I am here and his parents are not. (laughs) Yeah. He was pissing on shit yesterday. Now he's throwing up. I mean, my, my God, he's just having a grand old time. Anyway. It's having a grand old uh, time. But yeah, that smile. <laughs> Is this like the weird smile demon god's way of saying fuck you for not liking the movie? <laughs> I stand by what I said. 
Yeah, so Smile is out in theaters uh, as of the dropping of this episode. So, I mean, it's a great year for horror. I think it's, like, this kind of movie being made and being having this huge marketing, like, push is really incredible. I just think they could have handled it a little bit more carefully. I think you're pushing a lot of, probably, of kids to see this movie that maybe be dealing with their own mental health stuff and perhaps this isn't the movie they should be watching if they don't have a full grip, like, on what's going on. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just think that could be a little bit of a slippery slope there. But uh, on a probably a much happier note, uh, <laughs> Dudes Being Bros. <laughs> Dudes Being Bros, also releasing today, as of this episode's drop in theaters, is the uh, Billy Eichner co-written and starring movie Bros, which is... Uh, I, I, I've heard that it's the first... Uh, wide, like, big picture gay romance movie released in theaters. And then people were like, well, what about this movie? And then there's, like, hand-wringing about that being, like, a subsidiary of a big... So, I don't know. It's a it's a gay movie. It's getting a wide release in movie theaters, starring a whole bunch of queer people being queer, being happy, and... St- Finding love, and it is also a movie that made me realize that maybe I do like romantic comedies if they have like something I'm interested in. Because I hate romantic comedies; they're so straight. They're so by the numbers for me. Yeah, they're so straight, <laughs> but they're so by the numbers. <laughs> they're so straight. <laughs> they're so straight, and maybe all I need is a gay one. Because like this one follows this, you know, very similar trajectory: boy meets boy. Boy loses boy, boy gets boy back. Like, you know what's going to happen. But it's very funny. It's very gay. Uh, I do think that it still walks that kind of line between trying to appeal somewhat to straight people. While also, because, like, there's only one shot of real nudity in this film, and it's Billy Eichner's butt. Um, It's a very funny scene. It's a scene that that had me rolling because he's... um, trying to hook up with someone on grinder and grinder's like ass pick or no hookup and so then he's like going into the bathroom trying to shave his ass and cutting it up okay, and you then know what? grabbing a fucking Big respect to show the ass shaving for anybody because there's not enough of that bullshit uh-huh. of the prep that we try to do regardless of gender to make yourself look hot for a sexy pick oh it gets better because then he goes out and grabs his ring light <laughs> And that is when I absolutely lost it. And my roommate's like, are you going to make it? Because I was just fucking dying that he went to go get his fucking ring light that I'm having right here to light up his ass so he can get a good shot. And by the end of it, not only does he not get hooked up, he gets blocked by the guy. So, like, (laughs) it's just it's a very funny movie. But there is this. There's this undertone, and the reason why I think it worked really well for me is that there's a moment where I started, like, getting very teary-eyed, and it reminded me a little bit in a way of, like, Swan Swan Song, the uh, Udo Kier yes. movie. Uh-huh. Um, because, like, Billy Eichner's a 40, 40-ish year old man. I'm 40. He's talking about how, like, he's a very caustic... If you've seen Billy on the Street or you've seen Billy Eichner's performance, you know what you're going to kind of get from his character. But there's this moment of, like... There's two moments in particular. There's one where he's, like, 
you know, queers today have glee. We had AIDS. Like it's and it's kind of funny in a darkly comedic way, but then like there's this moment where he like really finally opens up to the guy that he's interested in and he's talking about how much how many walls he's had to build up and how much self-reliance he's had to have because of how old he is and coming up in that particular time frame where they don't have the representation and he didn't really feel so like there's this moment it's this monologue and it's just it really like kicked me in the nuts and i just it just uh it's really good it's a really good movie it's really funny i love i feel like not enough people especially in like comedies or at all like acknowledge i think more it's happening a little bit more now like the coming out later but not even coming out like just Mm -hmm. being an older gay person who isn't like and Fire Island, Fire Island did this too, but like not having like the, the the peak physical appearance of what like a gay guy is supposed to look like. But I'm glad that a mm-hmm. mainstream big release like this has those conversations, and I'm glad it's not yeah. as cringy as some of the stuff in the trailer makes it kind of seem to be. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, I I think that a lot of the humor is is front stacked, so it kind of okay. I wouldn't say loses. Steam, but this is also like a Judd Apatow produced film directed by Nicholas Stoller, who, you know, is known for Neighbors and oh. uh, what else did he do? He did um, Forgetting Sarah Marshall and Getting Him to the Greek. So, like, oh, this is okay. like that type of Judd Apatow comedy. It's two hours long. It does sort of run out of steam a little bit as it's making its way to the back end. And I do think a lot of the humor is front loaded. But, um, I just, I love this movie and I really hope people go out and support it because you have people on IMDb review bombing it. You have a lot of homophobes, um, attacking this film. Uh, I feel like this is one of those moments where if you want to see queer representation in the theaters, you have to go support it. Yeah. So seriously, guys. That aside, you're gonna have a great time. I think this movie is very funny. And it's very authentic, and it's very authentic. It felt very authentic to, um, specifically, like, an older millennial, gay, experience. Hell yeah, I'm glad to hear it. So everyone. So that's bros. Go see bros. If you don't want to watch Smile and get fucked it. up, go see bros instead. <laughs> Or no, you know what? Double yeah. feature. See Smile and then go watch Bros and get a palate cleanser. wild double oh, feature. Oh, 100%. But like, <laughs> it's like one of those things where it's like, I want you to support both. And while a smile annoys me, we're getting that in theaters. and We're getting Bros in theaters. And it's like, oh my God, there's so much good cinema. I'm so happy. Like mainstream cinema. I don't know. It's just exciting. It is exciting. Especially, I feel it's even more exciting after like the last few years of pandemic where it's like. I know. So it's nice to see them coming out swinging. Yeah, seriously. In my are my two favorite genres. <laughs> well, speaking of our favorite genre, it's been a fantastic fest for us, and I know that we have both watched some good shit. So let's talk about some of the shit we watched. I know last week I talked about Missing. I jumped the gun a little bit, but we talked Missing. But I know that we have seen some similar stuff and some different stuff. So, Terry, I want to throw it up to you first. What have you seen? Project Wolf Hunting. And what a what a wild movie that was. Uh, what, what was this one about, Mary Beth? <laughs> so, okay. I do that because it is wild. So, it's... It's wild. It's a Korean horror action thriller. 
so it starts off like a, a con air with Nicolas Cage where around 50 Korean um, criminals are extradited from the Philippines and they are being sent from the Philippines back to Korea. And because the last time they did this one so poorly with the bombing, they're like, okay, we'll put them all on a boat secretly. And they'll just think it's a shipping container, uh, shipping container vessel, yes. not full of convicted criminals. Uh, you know, like nothing could possibly go wrong putting like 50 of your no. most dangerous criminals onto one boat. But like to add just a little cherry, a little fun little cherry on top of this shit Sunday, there's um something, uh, some kind of thing being kept alive in the belly of the belly of the ship that turns this movie at about the 45 minute to an hour mark into something out of uh, the Resident Evil series rather than an action thriller. Yes, it's um <laughs> it's a wild ass movie. It's uh probably the bloodiest movie I've seen in a long time. Yes. Just like sustained bloody to the point that I was telling Mary Beth uh when I was watching it, that I was wa- I was watching it with headphones on, and I was getting grossed out by the sounds of squelching. Ah, uh, my favorite Simon and Garfunkel song, "The Sound of Squelching." <laughs> the sound of, of squelching. squelching. Um, <laughs> but it it seriously is just like Adrian Torres would hate it. <laughs> Call back to uh, our society episode. Oh, did you, oh, I oh. heard that. Can you hear it? Oh, oh God, I'm sorry. Yes. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Hold, please. What's wrong, buddy? This episode needs content warnings. Have, this episode is cursed. This episode is cursed. Y'all, we've had... Do I have to take it to the... I am having internet issues. This is the second attempt we've had it at recording this last half. Um, this is like the fourth time this talk has thrown up, and I'm a little bit worried. There's a lot of vomit happening. Which is, I guess, appropriate since we are talking about squelching noises. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we are. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Buddy, what is going on? <laughs> so, speaking of dogs, Project Wolf Hunting, which doesn't really have any wolves in it, but... um. There's wolf in the no, title, which the is a canine. Mission. Yes, <laughs> and it, uh, yeah, it's um, it's a nasty movie. It's a lot of fun. It's it's paced really well. Like I, I was. It's a two hour movie, but it moves really quickly. And like a good Korean horror film, it takes you on a journey of genres. It sure fucking does. And I think... Stop laughing at me. I feel like it's... It has that Korean movie tendency to, like... It feels like it's trying to cram a lot into one movie. And it's trying to tell a lot of stories. I'm trying to be normal! (laughs) Oh my god, I hope you all need to be subscribed so you can see this video of Mary Beth podcasting from the floor trying to clean up after the dog (laughs) this is what podcasting from home is like y'all you want to see the the down and out grossness this is podcasting 
when you're an independent podcaster who doesn't have a fucking studio. No, and she's trying to dox Not that it. we could have a studio, because we're separated by many states, but... Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's uh, Project Wolf Hunting. That's Project Wolf Hunting. It's coming out soon from Wellgo USA, uh, end of the month. Yes. Uh, end of October. So uh, get fucking ready. It's And I think I was saying it's got that Cor- Korean film tendency to go on for a very long... Like, is a lot going on? It just changes story, like, completely at the halfway mark. It becomes about, like... Yeah. He said this thing where he looked like he was scared of something behind my shoulder, and I was like, no, I can't do that, too! (laughs) Ew, and Terry, I just sat in some of it. All right. Oh, no. I I can't. um, This is the last episode of um, our second year of podcasting, or our third year. No, we're starting, are we starting our third year? We ending. What? This is our. We're one day away from our third year anniversary, and we are ending on, on a, a note. That's for sure. A note. You know what else I saw at Fantastic Fest? That you also what else saw. What you see at Fantastic Fest? What's that? Everyone will burn. <laughs> yes, everyone will burn. Um, <laughs> which is oh my. Another God. Spanish film an- from Spain. An- another Spanish film. That um, this time is, I keep describing it as an apocalyptic telenovela, which I mm-hmm. think is the best way to describe it. And Terry, I know that mm-hmm. we have both seen this one. So what is Everyone Will Burn all about? So Everyone Will Burn is about this small town in which a prophecy... Okay, here's the problem. I'm going to set this up as the problem. So the screener that we had had really bad subtitles to the point that they had HTML code um to bold things in it and sometimes the subtitles went in the blink of an eye and i'm a fast reader but i am not i am not fucking superman i can't read as fast as these subtitles like i'm literally they were on for maybe half a frame sometimes where it's like boom and then gone so kind of piecing together the story was a little bit of a challenge but 40 years ago there was some prophecy where they had to the town had to kill someone bec- to uh to stop the apocalypse from happening and then it's like years later this woman um lost her child like 12 years ago and she's about ready to jump off a bridge when this little girl comes up to her and starts calling her mom and basically t- saves her from jumping off And as they're driving home, they get stopped by a police car and the police become a little bit aggressive because the girl calls her mama. She says, I don't I I don't know this girl. And the girl causes one of the cops to shoot the other one and then turns the other one into a post toasty, just turns them into flames. (laughs) Um, Everyone will burn. And as they get back to town, you start to, like, pick up on all the secrets that this little town has there's a lot of face slapping. I was surprised there's no wine glasses getting tossed in people's faces. There's a lot of people fucking people behind people's backs to the point that it's hard to keep track of who the fuck is who's fucking who. Yep. Um, headbutting. There's a great headbutting of, scene. There's a great headbutting scene. Uh, it is campy and, like you said, very telenovela y, but then there's also this. Um, era of apocalypticness and it's um 
It was a blast. It was a blast. A little long. Definitely a little long. I think there are some scenes that could have like been trimmed because a lot of things go on for a long time. Um, but two hour movie you again. Liked, uh, yeah, if you liked Thirty Coins, the um, the series on HBO Max, then you're gonna dig this. Got similar similar vibe, similar setting, um, and the the woman who plays the mayor's wife in 30 coins is the lead in this and she is spectacular so there's a lot of just like screaming and catharsis and revenge <laughs> and it's uh mm-hmm. it's great it's awesome it's a lot of fun actually i don't i don't have distribution yet but um i don't think so so mm-hmm. just keep an eye ear to the ground for that one because it's a put that on your radar yeah, definitely put it on your radar continuing though with this uh tradition um i also saw satanic hispanics yay that's a dread presents movie aka where i work (laughs) yes and it is um kind of a who's who of um spanish filmmakers uh, hispanic filmmakers there's demian rugna who um I i i apologize if i did not pronounce that name correctly who directed terrified which is on our patreon if you want to hear us talk about that um, it has Eduardo Sanchez, who directed... What did he direct, Mary Beth? The Blair Witch What was Project! that little movie? <laughs> directed the Bear Blair Witch Project. Uh, Gigi Saul Guerrero. Fantastic. Mike Mendez, who um, directed uh, Big Ass Spider. Big Ass Spider, yes. And one of my favorites, Alejandro um, Bruyez? Bruyez? Bruges, who directed one of the best segments of Nightmare Cinema, and he also directed One of the Dead. Oh, yeah. He directed a very funny uh, episode of this involving um, a very peculiar weapon, shall we say. This movie is great. It, uh, I do think, again, it is a little long. Yeah. However, each segment is vastly different from the others. There's one about a very campy retelling of vampires directed by... Uh, uh, Eduardo Sanchez. I was on that's set really for fun. that one. <laughs> that was the that goofiest was... laugh I've ever done. But yeah. <laughs> it's appropriate for this because that segment was very goofy yeah. and I loved it. We have Damian doing terrified stuff in a very small, short film. It's just, it's it's a it's a blast. It changes uh, tones throughout each one. I just, I had, I had a great time with this one and I think it'll be a big... I think it'll be a big, big splash. It's fun. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just careful about what I say because I work for them, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but like, it is a really the it's they won best directors at Fantastic Fest, and it's like it's cool to work for a company that's putting out a movie like this that we don't have a lot of. So mm-hmm. it's really cool to have it and have it be all done by Latinx directors in front of the camera, behind the camera. I mean, it's just like it's something we don't usually get. And it's really exciting to have it. And I'm really glad it did so well at Fantastic Fest because I've known about this movie for a very long yeah. time. We've been working on like I haven't I haven't worked. I haven't touched this one. I just went to set that one time. I'm really ha- I'm really excited for people to see it. Yeah, it's great. Um, have you seen anything else? Yeah, the other thing I wanted to talk about was actually this documentary um that I watched oh, yeah. a little bit on a lark. This dog keeps looking at something at the doorway and I'm gonna get murdered in like two seconds probably. Um but anyway. So I got an email about this movie and I was intrigued because it's 
it's very much up my alley because it's it's a it's a documentary about literal found footage about a video a VHS tape that was found and that is like now like an object of like cultural curiosity. And so a life on the a life on the farm is about how do I put how how do I even describe it? It's hard to describe it when it's not a found footage movie because like the core of a life on the farm is these videotapes made by Charles Carson, who was an old British farmer who used making movies as kind of like a way to deal with the loneliness of living on the farm. And he would make these tapes for all of his neighbors in this small town, this like small like rural village in England. And these these videos were fucking weird. And it and so what makes them they seem innocuous, like it's just an old guy with the camera just like doing stuff with his cow, like not stuff. Filming his cows, filming the live birth of cows, like it's pretty graphic because, but it's also just like, hey, it's life on the farm. And then it gets weird because then he films his dead mom who just died and he's like rolling her around in her wheelchair and like taking pictures of her with the cows and shit. Yeah, see what I'm talking about? Like it seems like, it's like one of these like weird, like innocuously disturbing like objects where it's like, this guy is not he's not a serial killer. Like he did not kill his mom. Like he's not a freak, but he's a little bit weird because his, for three days he was wheeling his mom around. And then like when his dad passed away, he was taking photos with his dad's body and like sending them out to people. It's really bizarre, but also the documentary then like people are, people are commenting on it. Like the director whose family received one of these tapes. Like these were tapes he was making, giving to people. So this guy, the director got one of the tapes, was watching it as a kid. And when the part came up with the dead mom, they were like, Oh, no more of that. Like no more watching this. This is bizarre. Um, but so it gained like internet popularity. And so it's basically people who have found it and like are, and are talking about like what, kind of a curiosity this is but then it also becomes this fascinating look at a guy who didn't look at death as such a bad thing and didn't have like and again like a lot of it i think one of my hardest parts hardest my biggest struggles with this one is that there's a lot of projecting onto this guy and he's he is he is now dead there's a lot of projecting and like talking about like who he is when like no one really like there were there are neighbors that they talk to people that knew him in life that can probably talk to him a bit more, but some of the people who like, oh, I found the tape, and like they're trying to be like, this guy really like has this crazy outlook on life. When it's it's just a little bit weird sometimes, like casting those kinds of like as those things on people who are not around to talk about it, mm-hmm. and like making right. him out to be this kind of like incredible, like other otherworldly, but like like philosophically incredible person. I mean, and it's none of it's negative. It's all like very sweet about this guy. It's just some of it, some of like the assumptions about him and his life were just like a little bit weird to me. Just like, because he's dead and he can't be there to like talk about it. And I don't know, like something about it just felt Mm -hmm. like a little weird. But for the most part, it's just like a really kind of touching look at an artifact of a guy who was just trying to make something to like, break the monotony of his days as a cattle farmer in like the middle of nowhere England and it's I was actually like surprised how moved I was by it I've I've heard that I have not I've not seen this one but um I did hear people talk about what kind of 
seems like it might go in like a creepy direction ends up becoming very heartwarming in a way yeah like when it switches like oh yeah his mom and i was like oh no are we getting like a weird ed gein situation here like i am not ready to be dealing with like (laughs) but it's not it's not it's like shocking at first and then it becomes this whole thing of him just like being a guy who is lonely who and again this is an assumption on my part these are assumptions on everyone's part but like you know his attempt to reach out to people and stuff i don't typically watch a lot of documentaries at film festivals because i have a i have um i have a harder time like writing about documentaries because they're not like my field of expertise Mm -hmm. and stuff and it's just like i want to make sure i know how to like (laughs) critique a documentary but this one was quite good and it's again about a piece of literal found footage so it's even more interesting kind of that angle for me so it's it's bizarre but it's 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 pretty well done so no word on when that is coming out yet but if you like weird little like documentaries about normal people doing some like bizarre stuff that's like pretty innocuous and harmless but still kind of bizarre i think this is definitely one for you it's like innocuously disturbing is the best way to describe it. Like innocuously disturbing. Put that on the this, poster. At one point, he just walks up to the camera holding a giant cow placenta, and it's like, "Look at the cow placenta!" And it's like, "Well, now I know what a cow placenta looks like." I, okay, as you as you do. Uh huh. Yeah, it was weird, but sweet. Huh. Weird. It's weird. It's a very strange experience. It's a very strange experience to describe to anybody. Um, but yeah. A fun, uh, an interesting documentary. And I'm glad, I, I've been wanting to try to watch more documentaries that aren't, like, true crime. So. Here's another one at the fest I really want to see. I'm hoping that I'll be able to see it. Mr. Organ. I really want to see that one, too. That's the guy who did the documentary Tickled, which fucking rocked mm-hmm. my shit when I saw it the first time. Everyone go see Tickled. If yeah. you haven't seen Tickled. But the reviews from Mr. Organ are, like, talk about how he's, like, a real-life energy vampire. And I was, like, and apparently the guy who made it said it was, like, the worst decision he's ever made. And I was, like, what in the hell? So, yeah, I really want to see I that, know. too. Me, too. But that was, uh, that was week one that was week of one. Um, Fantastic Fest. And we have a very busy weekend coming up ahead for both of us. And then we also have more fantastic fest coverage. So I think we're going to postpone horror comedies for another week until we can get caught up with everything. Cause, uh, even without horror comedies, we have a lot to talk about next week. Uh, God, we even do without have a fantastic fest. There's a lot to talk about guys. Spooky season motherfuckers. And it's in full swing and mm. I cannot wait for it to be over. <laughs> I know. Just, <laughs> it just started. Which is terrible, but from a journalistic perspective, it's like, oh, Jesus Christ. I made a list all of the content. I made a list of all the movies coming out, and I was like, oh, no. And like, yeah. coverage for the website. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. I'm getting married in a month, too. Shit. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, more Fantastic Fest and that. Blah, 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 blah. More Fantastic Fest next week. Uh, but. Who who are we talking to on Monday, Mary Beth? Okay, so we are talking to my personal hero um, on Monday. <laughs> but besides my personal hero, she's a writer, a producer, a director, a festival programmer, Miskatonic Institute of Horror Studies founder, and she's just a fucking badass. We are talking to Kayla Janice, the author of House of Psychotic Women, 
director of the incredible uh, folk horror documentary on Shudder. You, I, I keep it together in this interview, but I was texting Terry Me like too. I was sweating because like, so her book, her book House of Psychotic Women is celebrating its 10 year anniversary this year. And that 10th, 10th anniversary edition is out actually on Tuesday, which is very exciting. But that book is like my Bible and kind of taught me and showed me the ways of like writing more personal kind of criticism and analysis. And so it was like such a fucking joy to talk to her and pick her brain. And she brought with her a weird ass fucking movie with the fantastic Scar for Life story, uh, Foul Play, starring Goldie Hawn and Chevy Chase. It's like literally 1978. The weird, like one of the weirder movies anyone has ever brought. But she also has one of the best Scar for Life stories we've ever had. So incredible! It's all around a great time. Uh huh. It was incredible uh, story because I w- was watching this movie and it was the first time that we both ever watched it, and we we're like what about this scared her and then the story comes out and it's great it's perfect so look forward to that on monday everybody um so but listeners you've heard from us we want to hear from you let us know what you think of bros and smile if you see it this weekend please go see it this weekend again if you feel safe going to theaters try it out Mm -hmm. if you want to um and I think that they'll probably come to a streaming service soon because that's the model we live in nowadays, thankfully. So hopefully you won't have to wait too long to see them. Um, do you have suggestions for movies that we should be covering? What our next series could be? Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Gailey Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at scarredpodcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe, and support us through Patreon. Uh, Pray for me that this dog does not keep throwing up. Um, Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you, everyone, for listening and for praying for me. Please stay safe out there, but most importantly, stay creepy. (laughs) And until next time. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.